Hello, this is Yusra from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 15th of November. India recorded 10,229 new COVID-19 cases on Monday, taking the total tally of infections to 3.44 crore since the beginning of the pandemic in January last year. The death toll rose by 125 deaths in the past 24 hours, taking the total official count of fatalities to 4.67 lakh. According to the health ministry, the active case load at 1,34,096 is the lowest in nearly 17 months. Weekly cases have been declining without a break since the first week of September. On most weeks, the fall has been higher than 10%. India has administered 112.34 crore coronavirus vaccine doses so far. From Monday evening, keeping necessary COVID precautions in place, Sabrimala Temple is all set to reopen for a two-month-long festival, reported the Hindustan Times. Devotees will be required to produce a vaccination certificate or a negative RT-PCR test not older than 72 hours to be allowed entry at the shrine. According to the BBC, as Austria faces a surge in COVID-19 cases, it has placed about 20 lakh people who have not yet been fully vaccinated under a lockdown. The country has recorded the highest 7-day infection rate in Europe with over 800 cases per 1 lakh people this week. Associated Press reports that Egypt has announced clinical trials for a domestically made coronavirus vaccine. Khaled Abdul Ghaffar, the country's acting health minister, said that the trials of the vaccine, Covivax, will start with tens, then hundreds and will eventually include thousands of people. The coronavirus has infected over 25.33 crore people across the world and caused more than 51 lakh deaths, according to Johns Hopkins University. The Delhi government told the Supreme Court today that it was ready to impose a complete lockdown in the city to combat air pollution, NDTV reported. However, it added that the measure will have a limited impact because of the national capital's compact size. This was in response to the court's suggestion earlier on Saturday, where a bench led by Chief Justice of India, N.V. Ramana, asked the centre to take emergency measures, suggesting Solicitor General Tushar Mehta to consider imposing a two-day lockdown. The Delhi government's affidavit stated that a lockdown was needed in neighbouring areas of Delhi too. Since air has no boundary, a lockdown, if necessary, should be mandated for the entire NCR region, the government added. According to live law, Solicitor General Mehta listed a series of steps that the government had suggested to deal with the crisis. These included doubling parking tickets so those who travel for no reason will avoid, stopping the use of diesel generators if the air quality goes to very poor, and increasing bus and metro services instead. Halting the Badapur power plant, not suggesting shutting it down, but maximizing power from other plants. Increasing the frequency of mechanized cleaning of roads and ensuring that water is sprinkled more frequently. Stopping the use of coal or firewoods in hotels and eateries. And stringently enforcing and stopping garbage burning, Mehta read out of the affidavit. Chief Justice N.V. Ramana observed that 75% of the pollution was due to three factors. Industry, dust and transport. So if you take steps on them, situation will improve, he said. Adding that, there is no basis for hue and cry about farm fires when stubble burning contributes to only 4-10% of air pollution. Justice Surya Kant pointed out that the measures listed in the affidavit could be a long-term plan, asking the Solicitor General what drastic measures could be taken. To this, 
Mehta replied that the government was open to drastic measures. He said that the government has thought of three more drastic steps which are yet to be implemented. First is the odd even scheme, then truck entry ban to Delhi, and the severest would be a lockdown, he added. Justice D.Y. Chandrachud asked the government to inform the court by Wednesday what concrete measures it can take to tackle the problem. After the Supreme Court hearing on Saturday, Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal announced that schools in the city will be closed for physical classes for a week from Monday due to the worsening air pollution. From Sunday to Wednesday, no construction activity will be allowed in the city and employees of government offices will also work from home for a week starting Monday. Two journalists, Samriddhi Sakunya, age 21, and Swarna Jha, age 25, covering anti-Muslim violence in Tripura for HW News, were arrested by the police early on Monday. According to the latest PTI update, they have been granted bail. The two journalists were earlier detained on Sunday on charges of spreading communal disharmony. They were charged under Indian Penal Code Sections 120B, Punishment for Criminal Conspiracy, 153A, Offence of Promoting Disharmony, Enmity or Feelings of Hatred between Different Groups on the Grounds of Religion, and 504, Intentional Insult. This had led to outrage among many press organisations. This is not the first time that journalists have been intimidated for doing their jobs in this country. Digipub, an association of 11 digital news organisations, said, Many journalists face criminal investigations, arrests and jail terms as India faces a sharp degradation of press freedom. News Laundry is among the founding members of the Digipub News India Foundation. The other members of the association are HW News, Alt News, Article 14, Boom Live, Cobra Post, Newsclick, Scroll.in, The News Minute, The Quint and The Wire. HW News said in a tweet, Our reporters have been arrested by the Tripura police around 12.55am from a shelter home in Assam's Karim Ganj after securing their transit remand. They are being taken back to Tripura where they will be produced before Udaipur Magistrate Court. Senior advocate Pijush Biswas will be appearing for them on behalf of HW News Network. What were the grounds of their arrest? What were they reporting on to be accused of maligning the VHP? We at News Laundry have been closely following this case of intimidating journalists for merely reporting on communal violence with our very own reporter Ayush Tiwari on ground. Read Ayush's detailed report on newslaundry.com titled Maligning VHP Criminal Conspiracy Two HW News journalists detained in Assam face two FIRs in Tripura. Ayush has also done another report from Tripura profiling Ranu Das, a BJP youth wing leader involved in the Tripura violence. The report is titled Meet Ranu Das, BJP youth wing leader at centre of Tripura violence. Do read and while you're on our website, Consider supporting us to sustain independent media that is driven by public interest. Hit that subscribe button on the top right-hand corner and pay to keep news free. On Sunday, Union Home Minister Amit Shah asked state governments to submit inputs for the changes proposed to the Indian Penal Code, the Criminal Procedure Code and the Evidence Act, the Times of India reported. Shah announced that the Centre has started the exercise to amend the Indian Penal Code, the Criminal Procedure Code and the Evidence Act. The Home Minister made the statement at the 29th Southern Zonal Council meeting in Andhra Pradesh's Tirupati city. According to the Indian Express, these meetings are aimed at enabling states to sort out matters with other states or the union government. In the council meet, 
Shah appealed for states to have zero tolerance for crimes against children that fall under the Protection of Children from Sexual Offences or POCSO Act, asking the state governments to strictly adhere to the 60-day time frame to investigate such cases. He asked the state governments to create an independent institution of director of prosecution to ensure speedy trials of pending cases. With regards to the coronavirus pandemic, states were instructed to speed up their coverage of the second dose of the vaccine, the Hindu reported. Shah also said that all the states should establish at least one forensic science college with a syllabus in the local language so that they could have trained manpower that would meet the needs of forensic investigation. This would be in tune with the establishment of the National Forensic Science University and Rashtriya Raksha University by the centre. The meeting was hosted by Andhra Pradesh Chief Minister Y.S. Jagan Mohan Reddy and was attended by Chief Ministers and top officials of Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, Kerala and Telangana and the Union Territories of Puducherry, Lakshadweep and Andaman and Nicobar Islands. Amit Shah praised the southern states, saying that India's development could not be imagined without their contribution. He said that the Narendra Modi government respects local cultures and languages. The council was informed that the union government has decided to observe November 15th as Janjatiya Gaurav Divas. This day will be observed every year through various formats spread over one week to highlight the contribution of tribal communities to our freedom struggle and national development, Shah added. On Monday, the Uttar Pradesh government acceded to the Supreme Court's suggestion to appoint an external former High Court judge to oversee the investigation into the Lakhimpur violence, LiveLaw reported. The Supreme Court had directed the state to appoint a former High Court judge and suggested the names of Justices Rakesh Kumar Jain and Ranjit Singh in the last hearing on November 8. Justice Surekant had said, Somehow we are not confident of the state judicial committee overseeing. He suggested that the High Court judge could independently monitor the investigation until the charge sheets were filed. During Monday's hearing, the Supreme Court took note of the Uttar Pradesh government's submission and listed the matter for hearing on Wednesday to finalise on the name of the judge. Chief Justice of India N.V. Ramana said, We need one more day's time to choose and also consult the judge concerned. The case is related to the violence that broke out in Lakhimpur Kheri district on October 3rd during a protest against the centre's three new contentious farm laws. Eight people, including four farmers, were killed in the incident. Farmer bodies had alleged that a vehicle belonging to Ashish Mishra, the son of Union Minister Ajay Mishra, had run over the protesters. Ashish Mishra was arrested on October 9th, a day after the Supreme Court had pulled up the Uttar Pradesh government on the matter. The four others killed in the violence were BJP workers Shubha Mishra and Triam Sundar Nishad, Hariyom Mishra, the driver of a car in Ajay Mishra's convoy, and journalist Raman Kashyap. Two Syrian migrants were rescued late on Sunday by a Polish NGO after they made some 40 kilometres into Polish territory, crossing the border from Belarus, Reuters reported. Thousands of migrants have travelled to Belarus in hope of crossing into the European Union, only to find themselves trapped on the border in freezing conditions. According to Reuters witnesses, the two brothers, Kadir, 39, and Loas, 41, from Homs, were almost unconscious and too tired to speak when medics arrived to help them. Ossolini Foundation, the Polish charity, said, We found two men in the woods and they were in a really bad condition and they couldn't communicate with us. We couldn't really get any information out of them, except their names, so we decided to call an ambulance. The ambulance and Polish police arrived at the site shortly after. 
Earlier on Saturday, the Polish police had found the body of a young Syrian man near the border. Caught in between a geopolitical conflict between the European Union and Belarus, thousands of migrants in hope for a better life in Europe are now stuck in forests on either side of the border between Poland and Belarus. So far, at least eight migrants have already died and fears are growing for the safety of others as harsh winter conditions set in. A restricted zone near the Polish border is a forbidden space for reporters and aid workers, with no one except local residents allowed to enter, Al Jazeera reported. Reporters say that some residents have started putting green lights outside their houses to show that they are willing to help people in distress facing freezing conditions and lack of vital supplies, including medical care. This week on TV Nuisance, we did a special episode taking on the business of business news on Indian television. If you're someone who's interested in personal finance or the stock market, should you be taking investment advice from TV news? We look at investment shows, cryptocurrency and have on board economics commentator Vivek Kaul for a special segment telling you five things you should keep in mind while following investment advice on TV news channels. Do watch and share. That's all the news we have for you today. Keep safe from the din of disinformation and come back for your daily dose tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.